Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special bonus episode of Wattcast, a Wheel of Time book and watch club. This episode goes out as a thank you to our our Patreons. Wow, this is a hard sentence to say. This sentence goes out as a thank you to our Patreon patrons in the Tar Valen support tier or higher. If you are not a patron and you're listening to the preview of this episode, you can hear the whole thing by subscribing to our Patreon at $5 or more. For the price of a Starbucks latte, you'll receive access to this and a regular stream of bonus episodes, like our recent conversations about Dune, and you'll also receive our sincere gratitude for helping us do this. As you might know if you're a regular listener, we're taking a few weeks break between books one and two of The Wheel of Time. So today we're not talking about The Wheel of Time. Season one of the show is over, uh, and we're going to be talking instead about another popular high fantasy series that also recently received a TV adaptation. That is The Witcher, whose second season just wrapped up on Netflix. I'm Caleb Wimble, joined today by my co-host, Keely Frank. Hello. And special guest, Jerry Barney. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Jerry. It's uh, it's awesome to have you here today as a close friend of the show. Why don't you kick us off by telling us about your relationship with The Witcher? How did you come to the franchise? It's, the, it's a Netflix show, your first experience with Witcher media, all, the, all that wonderful history stuff. Sure. So my experience with The Witcher goes uh, way back to the release of The Witcher 2 video game. I don't remember when that mm-hmm. was. My first exposure to the game. And, uh, you know, since then, I've been a, a big fan. I was a huge fan of the the third third entry to that series. And I enjoyed the third game so much that I uh, started books. I only read the first mm. two books, yeah, the short story book. And uh, yeah, so so by the time the first season came out, I was pretty, pretty well versed in the world of The Witcher. Wow, we are, we are really, really close on that. I think it's a really common Witcher experience for people outside Absolutely. of Pol- outside of Poland. Um, yeah, I, I, it was also the game's first for me. I tried the first one and bounced off it really hard it's rough. initially. Yeah, so it was it was The Witcher 2 also on like Xbox 360, I, I think, that I kind of picked up on a whim, like wanting something to play and it had really good reviews. And then same thing, got really into it, caught up with also the first two books. So we've both read like the short story collections mm-hmm. uh, and didn't really get into the novel series yet. Um, so that's The, the Last Wish and Sword of Sword Destiny. Destiny. Sword yeah, Destiny. a lot of witch adventures, they show up in the first two seasons of the show on Netflix in some form or another. Yeah, it seems as though that the first season kind of took mostly from the first book, but also plenty of some of the, some of the stories from the, the second. Uh, yeah, and then the second season. Well, we'll talk about. It. <laughs> yeah, well, a whole whole other animal. Uh, what, what about you, Keely? Did you come in first with the show? No. Um. So I actually have watched Jerry play all of the Witcher mm. games that he's played. <laughs> um. And then once the show came out and we watched the show, I really liked it. So then I read The Last Wish. I have not started sort of uh, destiny yet, but I hope to get to it soon. Okay, great. So we're, we're all in pretty similar footing there. And um, I guess uh, th- just as a brief history, very, very brief history uh, for what the series is, uh, The Witcher started in 1986 as a series of stories written by Polish author uh, Andrzej Sapkowski. These stories were, pro- they proved wildly popular enough to be translated and published throughout the English-speaking world and adapted as these even more popular video game series, which are for all three of us then the, the way that we were mm-hmm. exposed to, the- to that. There have been uh, multiple Polish film and TV adaptations of the stories, uh, but the Netflix show is, as far as I know, the first one shot in English, starring Superman's Henry Cavill as Geralt, the titular Witcher. Um, so maybe that's a good place to start if Jerry, if you want to tell those unfamiliar 
what a Witcher is uh, to begin with? Sure. So to talk about the Witcher, we first need to examine the world, the Witcher. <laughs> no, um, so so basically, it's the, true. But, yeah, uh... no, you you really do because the the whole you know necessity of having Witchers, uh, you know, it's necess- necessitated by the fact that there are monsters. Monsters came by came came about in this world because a uh, very long time ago. I'm not actually sure if they establish a hard timeline in a Tolkien Tolkien type way, uh, but but many many years ago, eons ago, the world was really only inhabited by elves. And there was mm-hmm. a, you know, some would say catastrophic, but certainly transformative magical moment called the conjunction of the spheres, where these spheres of existence all kind of collided. Mm-hmm. And humans and I, I believe dwarves and monsters flooded the world that at one point was really only inhabited by elves. And that kind of created two primary conflicts, one being monsters and non-monsters, mm-hmm. the other being humans and elves. I, again, only read the first two books. I don't know if there's a lot of conflict between elves elves and like really any other race that kind of comes into being around the time of the uh, the conjunction of the spheres but you know one of the two primary conflicts is the conflict between human and elves examine yeah. that a bit we examine that a lot more in the second season of the series than the first season and uh, the the first like actual novel in the books the blood of the elves blood of elves mm-hmm. um i believe he examines that conflict other conflict between monsters and non monsters uh is really what gave rise to the idea of witchers witchers are effectively monster hunters for hire they are genetically modified through this process of uh taking taking children exposing mm-hmm. them to these mutagens and and very very rigorous and often deadly training to transform them into what are essentially super soldiers they essentially inject them with the super soldier mm-hmm. serum and you know they become this heightened senses uh, you know, uh, heightened strength, heightened stamina, et cetera, et cetera. They are somewhat more tolerant of these potions that you can imbibe to increase strength and stamina and all that kind of stuff. They also have access to uh, very rudimentary magic that they can use, mm-hmm. almost like battle spells they call sign. Uh, but but in, you know, in a few words, a witcher is a mercenary monster hunter super. And that's kind of where a lot of their strength comes from, right? Is their is their knowledge above everything else the, the, of how to how to deal with monsters and knowing their behavior, their habitats. I feel like so so much of the games are mm-hmm. the quests are dedicated to that sort of mystery and, and the stories too. This like you know that that monster of the week mystery of what is going yeah. on here. There there's we've got these signs and these tracks and and everybody thinks it's one thing usually, and the Witcher knows it's another mm-hmm. or suspect mm-hmm. suspects it's another or that there's something deeper because going of the on. because of the claw yeah, marks yeah. <laughs> and the goat or, or the mm-hmm. way that you know the, the rubbing smell or something it's it's all very sensory in the books and and, and in the games at least yeah there's there they're heavily uh influenced by the investigatory mm-hmm. nature of the witch and critical to what you were saying about this central conflict between human and monsters and the extent to which these stories are about that a lot of people also think of witchers as monstrous because they are something halfway between right they're hu- they're right. humans that have been mutated with monstrous qualities and and you know sometimes it gets exaggerated and and their and their inhuman traits get wildly exaggerated by a lot of people don't know them people are afraid of them they're kind they're kind of dangerous deadly vagrants in mm-hmm. in, in a way um when they're not at their home base 
for the winter. So there's a lot of prejudice, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of emphasis on these books of uh, and the show. I would say uh, of of others of different kind. Like you talked about, you know, hu- humans and humans and elves, humans and monsters, humans and witchers, humans and witches. Uh, uh, we also Ooh, right. we have we have witches, witch hunters, and witchers, all of which get confused <laughs> even even in the story. Right. Uh, so maybe uh, let's before we before we really get into the nitty gritty of the show and what and what happens in it, which I think will be the the crux of our discussion. Akili, do you want to do you want to tell us uh, like what what you what attracts you to uh, to The Witcher, or what do you, what do you like best about it and, and about the show in particular? Like what's drawn you in these two seasons so far? Henry Cavill. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Great answer. I was like, other but, than Henry oh, Cavill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So primarily Henry Cavill, um, but also the monsters i grew Mm. up watching monster movies like my dad was huge into the godzilla versus mothra kind of crap and so any kind of monster movie or monster show is gonna draw me in um anything kind of fantasy like that so um yeah that's definitely what drew me in also like the the fact that it's a fantasy but like kind of creepy like you know Mm -hmm. when when they drink the little potiony things their eyes turn all black and fucked up and um so anything that's kind of reminds me of like horror but also you know monster movies and that kind of stuff is it's always going to win with me yeah, some, yeah of those, a, some of those monsters are genuinely like scary you know oh yeah like creepy. the, the really monster good. designed for oh, yeah. season one well even season two like the monster design yeah. is fucking immaculate yeah really I, I would say some of my favorite episodes too like in season one the which is actually the first witcher story ever written i believe the striga episode mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the the, pr- the cursed princess mm-hmm. in the castle that is i mean that's basically a short horror film right like m- almost m- with with horror action elements like it goes from being straight up up normal horror to being kind of like the Resident Evil movies horror where you have like a, an enormous badass trying to survive and fight again and and not in that case not kill Maybe that's actually that's an interesting thing about Geralt, right? As a Witcher, how frequently he does not want to kill the things that he is hired to kill, yeah, uh, or or find some other way around, or is constantly pushing up against the notion that things that humans designate monsters, often it's the humans who are more at fault or the cause of yep. the problems. These core themes. It's a really really interesting lens to talk about, you know, the inherent flaws of man's inhumanity to man and all that. But uh, yeah, that plenty and plenty of themes throughout all of the adaptations of the witcher of what does it really mean to be human and what does it really mean to be monster are all monsters always dress and Mm -hmm. humans it's really interesting and i want to echo what keely mentioned about being drawn to the the series initially because of the those monsters and i think that like just how off the beaten path at least as like you know american westernized viewers you know we're used to your werewolves and your your vampires and stuff like that mm. but my first experience with the witcher was like oh here's like here's you know he's he's doing battle with like um you know a, a brownie or something and it's like mm-hmm. what is that like, i've never have never heard a, of this or a, or a kikimora a kikimora yeah. yeah like <laughs> i've never heard of any of these and it was it felt like such a like a a rich um you know folklore to to pull mm-hmm. monsters from that's that's really yeah, and you get like that mix of of these ones that are sometimes kind of straight up the version of the monster we're familiar with. Like you mentioned, werewolves. There, I think there we don't get a lot of them in The Witcher, but they're pretty much werewolves as we know them. Mm-hmm. And there are like Dracula esque vampires. Yep. But 
there's so many other kinds of vampires yeah. and, and, yeah, even, and they all even have the, these, yeah. Even yeah, the idea yeah. of like a vampire is kind of a, a, a rich thing where there's like, you know, higher and lower vampires and then thralls and stuff. It's pretty cool because because normally, you know, if you follow one series about vampires, you get the richness, richness of vampires. But it's really just like that's the one monster. But in The yeah. Witcher, it's just like, you no, know, no, that's just one of the very, very, very many monsters that came through during the conjunction spheres. Yeah, I think um, monsters also the big draw for me initially. Um, and I mean, obviously, the game games were just uh, really, really, uh, really comprehensive and interesting, well-written mm-hmm. games by the stand by the standards of their time, time at least, especially to have, um, uh, you know, these sprawling world action RPGs where so much emphasis was put on those individual mysteries and monsters and the way that you deal with them and the preparation that Geralt undergoes and uh, and pretty interesting writing on on these themes uh, so by and large. Yeah, well, the the game just to comment on the games real quick. I mean, they 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 do not hold your hand, especially that second one. I mean, the first one was so difficult to the point it was you know broken <laughs> and had many many problems. It's also kind of like very difficult to navigate. But the second game I think is really where you know, a lot of people came on and for good reason because it was both approachable and functional but also just you know it 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 felt true to the stories and i can say that after experiencing the games first and the books later it felt true to the stories in the sense that like preparation was a huge part of the game and paying attention was a part very adult Mm -hmm. themes very adult stories you weren't paying attention to them you know you're not only you're not going to get as much out of it but you're going to make bad decisions and a lot of times uh there really isn't a good decision to make uh what what in in the story chain and it's kind of rock and hard place and that's maybe something that the show has picked up on that um it is it it is a pretty dark setting maybe not maybe not the maybe not like a fully grim dark setting the world is not utterly hopeless through and through but it does so frequently swing into horror and these and people are living on the precipice of of monsters um i I think a lot of the times when i when i love it best are when it feels when it has that picaresque feeling of of you know like uh, how the first two books are these collections of stories and people weaving in and out of each other's lives Geralt going from place to place and just being increasingly exhausted by the life he leads um, but then also having these these friends and and companions and lovers who um, sort of bring spark back into life along the way I, I I think a lot of the other than the horror moments the moments that I enjoy the most are the things that remind me of like 90s picaresque adventurers like Xena warrior princess uh, or or Hercules or, or something like that like where you had these yeah these liter- ro- literal monster roving. of the week yeah yeah, yeah. Good stuff uh, so, uh, so season two, um, I guess, uh, season, season one, like we said, it largely covered uh, like a, a bunch of the stories from last wish, um, one, one or two from, uh, from sort of destiny. And it, it did season one did something that I think confused a lot of first time oh, yeah. viewers. I've heard this from so many people where they it even, fused... they even touch on yeah. it in the second season in, in they like, do? yeah, yeah. Like they comment on it, right. The, uh, the, the multiple timelines and how mm-hmm. things kind of interweave. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's one character in the second season who uh, he's commenting on one of Yaskier's songs because the song right. has multiple timelines, and he's like, "Oh, it took me a while to realize that there's four timelines." I'm like, "Okay, there's <laughs> this guy just plays the audience, I guess." <laughs> I yeah. totally forgot about that. That's uh. That's a way to hang a lantern on it. It's yep. it's almost funny. Funny they uh, what I I, I get it's funny because I get on films nowadays all the time. I, there's too much digital TV and film. I think that over relies on 
color grading to produce like singular mm-hmm. color scenes. There, there, there's so many shows that are like just blue or just brown <laughs> cough, or cough, just yellow. The Expanse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially the first couple seasons of The Expanse, like pure yeah. blue all the time, probably to hide the CGI um, uh, flaws in between. But I was actually surprised The Witcher did not choose to like tint the time periods in a more noticeable way. Would have helped. Because some- <laughs> yeah. um, even I, like, like so how did you two feel? I like, you know, had at that point read at one of the books and played the games and I knew the timeline and I was still like, oh God, where are we again? Yeah, is, this, exactly. uh, is this Yennefer early period? Is this late, like late Siri period? Is this uh Geralt high, like meeting everyone period? Um, little confusing but so, but season two yeah i mean I, so yeah, yeah. Just, just to touch on that i mean like so for me i didn't really realize that there were i would I say i would say that it didn't really solidify in my consciousness i guess that there were multiple timelines until the fourth episode of the first <laughs> season because at the the big uh banquet where we first meet uh, uh calanthe and uh, mm. siri's mother um you see um one of the characters as a child one of the adult characters as a child in the banquet hall and i'm like oh okay so there are multiple right. timelines going on within the same episode that's interesting because Geralt had just talked to this guy as an adult um and and now we're like going back and, and seeing him as a kid yeah it's like that's interesting. plus like it's pretty obvious when like you see queen calanthea in the first episode and then you see her you know and siri isn't there but there's another woman who looks a lot like siri uh in the later right. episode it's like okay so this must be four but yeah the this first first season really doesn't do much to guide the viewer uh, to... and Geralt doesn't show age much he ages no, very yeah, that's slowly the thing. Yeah. Witcher, so kind of, like... <laughs> kind of frozen in time uh-huh no and like Jerry warned me because we didn't watch season one together I think maybe we watched like the first two episodes and then mm. I have a habit of getting interested in something but then I just like I'll get to it I'm not like I'm not gonna sit down yeah. and binge it necessarily but he's like I'm not gonna wait for you I'm gonna watch it so afterwards <laughs> he warned me that the timelines were messed up yeah but I still forgot and so I was watching it and I remember at one point I I was like so frustrated and I said like what the hell is going on and he was like mm-hmm. I told you the timelines change and I was like they need Whew. they needed I wish that they, you know they could have even done like um when they do like the intro card mm-hmm. they could have had like a different font or some like something to indicate that the timeline was changing yeah. in different mm-hmm. episodes because I was so fucking lost and now I've watched season one like two or three times and it's like okay I know to expect it but still as like mm-hmm. a first time viewer it's like this makes no fucking sense yeah, it can it it can definitely be done. So season two does away with that mm-hmm. pretty much completely, right? Are we just in a straight timeline? Pretty much from the beginning of Seems, of season. Yeah, two? there's there's like no backtrack, no mm-hmm. nothing jumps over other things. Though to be fair, season two kind of does away with a lot of stuff from the first. One of them being that the mm. multiple. I think that you know you have to do some of that since Yennefer is like way older than all of these people, I believe, and also and also kind of ageless looking. Once yeah, she's a exactly. So yeah, <laughs> so no indicator. Like the, the closer <laughs> the closer you get to magic and monsters, the the less human you become. Oh, there's some more theme for you but um but yeah i mean like in i think in the second the second episode of the first season we see yennefer's um effectively origin story which take takes place i think before even Geralt was a witcher so you know things get a little wild but in the second season it's pretty much start to finish we start where we left Mm -hmm. off and we end where we end and at start and the start there is essentially the whole child of destiny Mm -hmm. arc uh to do with um the one 
one of the early stories and, and episodes. Uh, the, I guess it was the one. You, was it episode four you mentioned, where where we have the um the 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 feast, the ba- the banquet, yep. and and duty shows up, and and, and long story short, Ger- Geralt does a favor for this royal family. The price of of which is this ancient rite of surprise. It, it's sort of like. It goes back to myth and to like the biblical, um, oh, you know, the first thing you see when you return home kind of thing that that will be sacrificed to God. I forget which Bible story that that is, um, uh, uh, but uh, but it shows up in mythology a lot. And it's a big thing with the witchers that that's sometimes if you the witcher can demand as, as payment if payment isn't agreed upon in advance. Um, the the law of surprise, which winds up giving Geralt the right to a child, child, uh, yeah, lo- lo- <laughs> a very a very special <laughs> weird child, that that child wouldn't have destiny. been like a footnote in the law of surprise, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's like what the witchers use it for the most, right? Yeah. Or at least yeah. what pe- what people talk yeah. about them doing it with. That's how they yeah, that's which, how they recruit you know, sometimes. <laughs> and it's yeah, and it's one thing that they touch on in the second season pretty heavily is like how important children are to the witcher be or to, mm. to, to witchers because like a theme in this and also in the books and also in the uh, nightmare of the wolf is you know we, we, we're we're done running out of witch witcher yeah. one witcher well done run dry and they can't we make need, anymore and we need we need more witch and uh so yeah i mean it, it's 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 weird to think of like these these monster hunters like kids are really important to them they need more you can't train to be a witcher you kind of have to be like mm-hmm. made so um fast forward then to the end of season one and beginning of season two where the kingdom of Sintra has been invaded by Nilfgaard and everything's gone to hell and fallen apart and Ciri is on the run um the, the princess basically who is who has not yet been claimed as Geralt's child surprise uh and she unleashes this inner power that she has that her mother also had some of which seems to have something to do with something called the elder blood uh and something to do with a lineage of elves and the world before the conjunction and she winds up in Geralt's care one way or another as uh they eventually get she they both have long separate journeys I think Geralt trying to find her and and they get together and it introduces what is maybe one of my favorite dynamics of of any of of the show of the stories of of the games which is Geralt um thinking that thinking that he uh Geralt being a parent in general Thinking he is, he would be a terrible parent and doesn't and acting like he doesn't want kids, doesn't like kids, can't stand taking care of them, but is actually continuously uh, here doing his damnedest and yep. pretty thoughtful and yep. trying very very hard to uh, not a to take not care a bad dad and... as it turns out <laughs> no <laughs> not no especially not a bad dad at all maybe especially not by the standards of like quasi medieval or low renaissance mm-hmm. fan- fantasy <laughs> type, yeah. type places either certainly better than than uh, uh, Yennefer's parents oh <laughs> uh, yeah that uh, that was rough and we continue to see her in season two working through her mm-hmm. her her pa- parent issues and her <laughs> her own child issues and she's always losing something yeah, always losing uh, something and, and, that girl's yep. story is a story of loss you know and wanting more because um, that's her her big arc this season right is uh, uh she sort of kind of sets aside her quest to be able to have a child because that's something she gave up to become a sorceress and that was a motivating factor for her in season one maybe a little a little bit much to be honest for I, I thought compared to the story one it seemed to be like the the main thing that drove her at all times but it but it, they did do interesting things with it but then this season because of her big glass stand at the end of season one where she destroys an army with fire she's lost her magic right here. The, the idea there being that like 
fire magic because the whole the whole you know premise behind magic in the witcher is that there is this primordial you know chaotic energy that sorcerers and sorcerers um channel to mm-hmm. pull off magic but because fire magic is like pure chaos literally no order to it it's a really dangerous mm-hmm. thing for them to do see that yennefer loses her ability to to channel chaos because she essentially burn out you know what i mean she's really mm-hmm. burning the candle at both ends no pun intended and is now experiencing burnout also no yeah it's a, they, it's a very a very wheel of time change that they made for the show because i believe in the book um she's blinded by it she doesn't lose her access to chaos but she lo- if i recall correctly she loses her sight and that makes mm-hmm. it very hard, hard to do magic any anyway but but uh but yeah it sort of feels like a lot of the the wheel of time indication we get of a channeler can draw on too too much power and bur- burn themselves out and you would think that that wouldn't be such a problem to people who apparently can just make hands for themselves like stregobor does mm. <laughs> it's, i lost me hands in the war and now he just magic hands all the time like, oh okay <laughs> cool it must be a concentration spell yeah it's it's uh i couldn't tell if that was gl- glamours are interesting the way they work i feel like it was all it was always ambiguous in the stories whether like le- we know that sorcerers and sorceresses they they change their appearance when they when they gain magic uh they use glamours to make themselves like seem eternally youthful and beautiful and and striking and and charismatic um, but it was never really clear, I think, in the stories and the games, the extent to which it is an illusion or it is a physical change. Right. Uh, but we, we just know that it is a type of magic. And I think the show kind of leans on um, like like they they sort of the, the physical transformation that Yen undergoes um, basically to change her disabled appearance, yeah, her, her, I guess. Her in, in, entire in physiology. One. Yeah. 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 It, it's like they have her on a, like a rack, right? It's really horrific. Like the, stra- the stretching yeah, I mean, they and, introduce, break and breaking. They, they introduce this character who apparently you know like has the ability to magically sculpt body and mm. uh, you you know she chooses the way that she wants here and it is a you know very painful experience i think if i recall correctly in the first season it was like time bound where it's like you know we can do this and it won't be painful but it'll take a long time but she was trying to get to the ball or something like that like the the, the big oh, you know right. ball yeah, where yeah. the sorcerers meet their uh future kings that they were going to serve under um so but that she was basically turn, turn down magical scene. anesthesia or something there yeah and i think that that i think if i recall correctly that that scene takes place at the same time as the striga fight um and Hmm. there i think i can't remember um but like i remember that them cutting back and forth between like Geralt's fight and yen's transformation Um. was super intense and one of my favorite uh moments yeah which um a lot how how many of these episodes, I wonder, and of these stories are to do with transformation and mm. with uh, going back to the monstrous thing? Because uh, season two even opens with one of yeah, those. Yeah, very one, first one. one. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the retelling of the of the Beauty and the Beast from. Um, is it? That's a. That's a. That's not Sword of Destiny. That's last a Last Wish story. It's right? last Last yeah. Wish. Yeah, it's about midway through Last Wish. It's called a grain of. Right. Yeah. Both the the episode title and the title of. And it's uh, a, a like a pretty a pretty straightforward I feel like of the pr- version initially of the pre Disney pre pre Hollywood like yeah. the pre uh, uh, like the the you know the old let the old darker version uh, of like the Beauty and the Beast story with this this uh, this cursed cursed Baron or Prince or or some nobility who who treat treats a woman horribly um, and gets cursed and turned into a monster and now lives in this enchanted mansion all alone and. And, and and it can only be cured by true love's 
kiss, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think. And, and the episode takes kind of, it, it changes the order of information in, in key ways and it changes the tone and themes a, a, a lot because Siri is here for this one, which yep. is very different than much when, different. Yeah. Hugely, when, it, when yeah, it, yeah. In, in the books, you know, this story takes, takes place, I think before it's born, it is a pretty much a solo Geralt mission. And, um, you know, it was kind of a problematic story <laughs> in the book. And it's kind of a problematic story here that, you know, the, the, the idea being that your, your reward for raping someone is to, uh, a big old house with with stuff that that you know obeys your every command like okay that's great but i think that the way that it's told in this season is at least you know we at the at the end we see how truly like lonely Novellan mm-hmm. is and kind of broken that the only way that he can experience love is parasitically uh by mm. by you know essentially surrendering his body via immortality effectively uh to you know what is essentially you know a brooks a, a, a vampire of sort uh to see him at the end to lose like the only semblance of love that he could experience as someone mm-hmm. gravely cursed and he even loses the things that he got from the curse you know what i mean he he loses his ability to conjure things in the, in the mansion because the curse is broken at the end. So truly a tragic story. And I also mm-hmm. think a awesome start. Maybe my favorite mm-hmm. episode. Hugely powerful. Kind of setting us up to be let down for the rest of this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. They, it's like... Yeah. Well, they throw in fucking Tormund, who is just an amazing actor. He really comes good. in and plays... He just fucking gave it his Hiju. all. And it had like some of the best dialogue. Um, And then also fucking how they did the, the Bruxa... Her movement was mm, like oh, good, yes. good stuff. Yeah. so really, fucking really good. just Pacha Chef's Kiss. It was just <laughs> so <laughs> good because I think of like you know how many horror movies do they do that kind of like dick like stilted staticky ghost lady movement mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it just like I mean it's weird and unsettling but this was fucking so fucking creepy and so I yep. wonder if the actress is like a contortionist or something because mm. it was just very it was physical done, role yeah really yeah good. it was so well and like oh my god her sitting on series bed just watching watching her sleep I was like oh yeah. my god fucking no 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 hate that she's she's at her I feel like she's at her most unnerving when she looks like a human right and, yep. mm-hmm. and starts doing totally. doing those mo- movements yeah because uh, there's like, something oh. <laughs> there's something like almost uncanny valley about her face it's like it's, yeah. I, it's supposed I to be human to me, but there's something wrong yeah it read to me as very Cheshire cat like she's oh, got okay. a very un like inhuman smile to her and uh, when you when you see what she looks like in vampire form I'm like oh that was actually a bit of interesting like physical foreshadowing that like her her broad smile is because she's got this huge toothy uh, uh bite crazy I, I would also agree that um this was probably my it's certainly for me the most memorable episode of the season and the episode that tell that feels the most like it tells a complete story uh, and actually yeah. has like a, a it has a beginning a middle and yeah. end it has char- character development it has reveals it's got a great monster. It's got two great monsters, I guess, is the uh, oh, totally. the the way to put this one. And um, that is kind of, I feel like, increasingly both in the first season and this one. My favorite parts of the show are when it can be mm-hmm. these individual stories of the people they meet and the monsters they meet that then are part of a greater journey. I am less enamored of the end of the world apocalypse threat and all the Nilfgaard politics and to an extent that this season was maybe less for me as it went on in in that regard. We really, really got into um, this overarching end of the world stuff. And the things that anchored me through, I think, and that I enjoyed the most were when we focused on Siri and Geralt together. Absolutely. Uh, and, and the episodes that, again, brought in character stories. And and some and I had mixed feelings about the Leshy uh, stuff, but the, but which was the other one of the other major 
major monsters of the season. But most of my other favorite episodes, I think, were were with that at Kaer Morin and the other Witchers, or or when we meet uh, when we meet monsters in Yen, uh, Yen's arc. I love the depiction here of. I don't know if any depiction of the three mothers, uh, or, or not the three mothers, the three crones. The, the three crones, the, the forest crones, is right? It, uh, are, I, you, are you referring to the, the crones from Witcher 3, the game? Or I, I believe that these are versions of the same ones that we meet in the show, or the three women of the woods, basically, who are that right. like cl- classical mythology. Like you have the maiden, yep. you have the the, the mother and, and the crone, and they're either like these truly ancient um, magical figures like quasi deities of the land or they're or they're seen as witches or and but they're but they're like these old world beings you get the sense from the pre-conjunction times and and we get like uh, you know haunted cabin locked in the woods it's like baba yaga baba yaga ca- yeah, ca- yeah. Kevin, right? Which I love the design of that. I love the moments oh. in there. And, and again, yeah, I guess it comes back to the things that anchor me in, in this I, season are, are the monsters still. And I think that like, because I think that one of the big criticisms, and I think it's rightly played, is that using the Baba Yaga as, you know, the big bad evil guy for this season was probably a misstep uh, because I didn't think that it was particularly well established. I didn't, I think that it also cheapens a lot of storylines. Um, like mm. the idea that the elves would start working with Nilfgaard because a witch told them to doesn't make nearly as much mm. sense as the fact that it's no, it's just a mutually beneficial, you know, arrangement. It just makes yeah, sense yeah. during war wartime for the elves to, you know, jump on on board with the, the Nilfgaardians who are trying to get back the people who historically, uh, you know, uh, hurt the elves. trying to genocide them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that made more sense to me than then oh, oh i don't know you, you know had a bad trip in the woods met an ancient forest spirit she said mm. do it um i think and i totally agree with you but i will say though that you know the book started as your monster of the week the short stories and then transitioned mm-hmm. to a, a you know a larger world building overarching story that follows uh Geralt and yeah. siri and you know uh, i guess spoilers for the end of the season the, the wild hunt um but uh eventually the show had to go that way definitely yeah. um i i do wish that they would have spent because like they kind of threw out the monster of the week formula after episode one after so episode quickly. one we are yep. done with that now you get our story that we want to tell and i wish it had been more like 50 give me yeah. a couple more yeah because there's a lot of really good stories i wish that these were i really i know they couldn't be done on this budget sure. but i i like the store individual stories enough that i'm like man i wish these were these were at least like 14 if not 24 episode seasons yep. of the kinds that we used to get from shows in, totally. in the 90, 90s and aughts right yeah give me give me give me high fantasy x files and i will watch that show <laughs> for life you know and i would say that you know i, I do want to talk about the criticisms that i see about season two most commonly and i would say mm-hmm. that like i have never seen a tv show though to be fair i haven't seen wheel of time i know anathema to this i haven't seen it yet i'll, I'll, I'll be back <laughs> once i see it <laughs> I haven't seen such a divide in the response between those mm. who have read the source material and those who haven't. Um, mm. Because, I mean, if you follow the, the discussions that are ongoing with the people who have played the games and, and read the book and those who haven't done any of that and they just watch the show, generally the people who just watched the show really liked this season. They thought it was, mm. the, you know, they enjoyed it. But the, you know, the book readers and the and the, the, the game players, which I count myself among, um, you know, had some really heavy criticism. And I understand those criticisms, but I would, I would argue that most of those criticisms boil down to, well, this isn't the way it was in the book. 
And it's like, you know, heaven forbid they try to build something on their own. Mm-hmm. But, well, I, you know. I, I, well, there's there's the two different criticisms there, I guess, which is like one, they cha- they changed it. It sucks now, which I, I which I agree, like, you know, wh- whatever the, the show, the show that most of the changes they make, I think, are ones that that make sense for the version yeah. of the story, the story they're totally, telling. Totally. Um, but but I do wish, I guess, from the books and the games that we had kept some, some of, of it. the pa- the, pa- the pacing yeah. well it's not 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 necessarily the content but the sense of that build up to where it does it does feel to me like we are you know it's a netflix show they know mm-hmm. the average netflix show gets canceled in two or three seasons mm-hmm. almost almost no matter how popular it's rare for them to ever a green light a show past three seasons so they're on a deadline i fully yep. understand <laughs> they got they got a crunch to get this sh- main arc wrapped up next season but i do wish we had had so much more time to develop Geralt and Yen together traveling together we skipped that entire arc of their lives they, they, we they really meet, yeah we really only get see. like we, one or two yeah. episodes of that yeah. of them together I, and I, I yeah and the, and the raising Siri were just blasting oh, through it in, we, in we effectively no get one scene whatsoever. we get one scene in that uh, the the temple I can't remember what it's called we get one scene and and oh it my is God. and it is excellent it's so good yeah. I needed like two more episodes of just that and you know I just don't know if we're gonna get it and uh, one, one criticism that I have is that while Triss as a character and a mm. slightly related Triss as a character is much better in season two than in season one definitely she still just feels like she's just there you know and yeah, yeah sorry go ahead well uh, so my thing and then I saw people talking about this uh, on the subreddit afterwards was that the dialogue felt weird this season mm. where the way that people were talking to each other it felt out of character um, even mm-hmm. there were sometimes I mean we didn't get a ton of Siri um, in, obviously in the first season but then we get Siri here and so much of her conversations once she started like becoming more comfortable felt like this is weird this doesn't feel something about this just doesn't feel like her and then um i saw other people talking about the talking about that the dialogue just felt kind of muted and like not much to it and so like you know Hmm. episode one i said that they had some of the best dialogue between Geralt and Novellin and then you know moving forward it was just even like you know spoilers obviously but for the for like the final big scene where they're trying to get um the the like witch lady out of Siri oh, and the yeah. whole time Geralt is like just just come home Siri just come home shut <laughs> the fuck like it's a, it's I cheap. hate yeah. that I hate that uh, whole trope so much of like oh I just need to to click on the love memory in their brain and they'll come home <laughs> I fucking Access hate that. Access your I think, love center. I think that's so lazy, but that a lot of it felt like that. And even the yeah. way that like Yennefer was acting, people in the subreddit were like, she's supposed mm. to be like how fucking old. And she her dialogue just feels really like teenagery and kind yeah. of, and you know, Jerry bringing up Wheel of Time that like, you know, this is something that we also said was that, the, you know, they they obviously have kind of an agenda of what they're going to do with the show. Mm-hmm. But if you if you go into it saying we're gonna stick to the source material, there's so much yeah. here, and then you just do whatever the fuck you want, people are yeah. gonna get bummed. Like even me, that's only read one book so far of The Witcher, I don't know all of the stories, but I'm still kind of like something's wrong, something's weird. Yeah, I don't really and like that it. Is, and, and I would say that that's like one of the criticisms that I can fully get behind is the the con or not the conflict, but like the course correction of mm. you know saying that and making it public and making it well known on social media media and interviews stick to the source stick to the material i mean you've got henry cavill apparently the world's biggest fan of the witcher who goes out there and, yeah, and keep and keep saying you know i want to to keep it as close to the source material as possible and you can i 100 believe i know that he was on set we have we have you know 
evidence of the fact that you know there were there were story beats that he flagrantly disagreed mm-hmm. with and asked for a rewrite and they did and it was definitely better i mean the the the, the example mm-hmm. is roach dying right the scene where roach dies was initially supposed to be kind of like a joke it was it was supposed oh, to be oh god yeah no i mean it, it was supposed to be like the dialogue was supposed to be less serious and more kind of light and like the I horse be, gets pick, picked up by yeah, a dracon, and, draconic creature and it's just right. like, boom, out, out of frame kind of thing. Yeah. Essentially. And or, or something like that, or just like even afterwards, more of like, a, you know, because in the in the books and in, in the games, <clears throat> it's um, alluded to the fact that, you know, witchers live a very long life. So they have many, many horses and all of uh, Geralt's horses are named Roach. So in, in the books, he's talked about, you know, this Roach or another uh-huh. Roach, you know what I mean? So... I can kind of see them playing it a little bit there, but like the bond between person and horse is something that plays really well on screen and something that really shouldn't be messed with. Mm. And I thought that the heartfelt goodbye of Roach was one of the most, one of the more emotionally, you know, heavy moments and resonating moments of season two for as short as it was. Like you can really feel that Henry and Geralt, um, you know, formed this bond with Roach and, Another bit of trivia, Roach version 2.0 is Henry Cavill's actual horse. Huh. Cool little trivia. And I'm very much like, I, this was something that I brought up in the, the Wheel of Time, was I was keeping a horse count at one point, <laughs> because there's like, some big shit happens, and there, it's kind of vague about what happens to the horses. But I fucking hate when they do that. Like, there's, there's what's that website? It's like, do they kill the dog? Yeah, doesthedogdie.com. Yeah, and then like, we avoid all of those, all of those movies or games or whatever, where they kill the animals. And it's like, yeah, that was really heartfelt, but also like, what the Fuck. Like that was yeah. Roach was one of the few that I like really cared about. Justice like, for Roach. Yeah, it's a bullshit. There, there are some people too who get it pre- similarly badly. I, I think maybe the the one. Well, I guess we we were talking about Yen. I, I feel I feel like overall she is the character that feels like you you were saying uh, Kili is um, missing missing something about what yeah. I know of the character and feeling still like this sort of petulant teenager still mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of the time she where she has she does not she does not feel her age and the level of maturity and assuredness that like that i'm sort of used to yeah and, that, and that's kind of i i've wrestled with the, their portrayal of that character i think it's partly um partly the the you know it's choices made by by anya chalotra who uh and and they're 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 fine choices to make for mm-hmm. for this version of the story but maybe maybe the single most shocking character change i thought the season was uh, introducing the character of Eskel, the youngest, oh, uh, yeah. uh, which are, or either the youngest or second youngest, like one, one of, one of the, one of Geralt's few friends, you know, remaining friends among them. And one, making him just the most insufferable yeah. little Paul Dano-esque prick, like just awful from the minute you meet him, you want him to die. And then he does like almost, almost immediately. He's just gone, like turned into a monster. It becomes like an animating thing for the next couple of episodes, you know, transformed into a monster. Oh, are they going to kill him? Are they going to save him? Honestly, for me, I'm like, well, it probably would have had more resonance if he weren't just the most awful yep. shit before that. And it just seems like a change that, like, almost see. That's the one change from, like, really? Like, you're going to change, like, a book character yep. that a lot of people do like. And, and you know, it is also in the games extensively. You're going to reduce to a one-episode cameo. But I was just reading that this may have been a change, which I, which now reading this is, seems, like, totally defensible, that he was cast as a different actor originally. Um 
uh, to Ersted Rasmussen, who had to step down right before they were going to be filming those parts due to COVID uh, rescheduling yeah. things. And it was recast as Basil um, item bends. And it seemed they had to make last minute changes to the story that I wonder if they just kind of had shame, to like yeah. write, write them out and kill the character right away and find a way to just um, fit it into this leshy plot that, there, that they were telling. I maybe? think, again, I think that some of these criticisms come down to like, it was better in the books, but I will say that <laughs> yeah. like, this is one of those situations where I, I definitely agree agree because some of the criticisms are like number one Eskel doesn't Eskel isn't the way he is in the books in 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 the book um I don't know if he's the youngest but he's not the insufferable insufferable one is Lambert 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 is, yes Lambert's yes, the one yeah. oh, Lambert's is, the youngest yeah. yeah I think I think Lambert's the youngest um and Lambert's the one that is always butting heads with uh Geralt and it's that way in the books or in in the the games too and it's great um Lambert is in the show obvious and he is very antagonistic towards Siri but and there's this fun little arc there where like that you can definitely kind of tell that Siri starts to warm to all the witchers and I genuinely mm-hmm. like that but if you're going to kill off a witcher in what is this the second episode why not one of those bargain store witchers that you just mm-hmm. have on screen yeah. you know just well just, they do, they do cut through most of those they by do the season, by the end right? of the season they really <laughs> really cut through them and now there's now there's a real uh you know scarcity of witchers in this but it's it's you know I understand that. I understand, like, if you need, if you need to kill off a character to stress how big this threat is, mm-hmm. why pick, why pick a Witcher that like has a rich backstory that you know is going to piss off the books and alienate yeah. a little bit of the like, just pick some other dude and kill him off, whatever. Um, I will say though, and I also love the scenes later on in the season that are like, you know, they they go back in time and they're like, oh, it turns out they were actually really close, and it's like, stop trying to put the band-aid on your mm. mistake this isn't the way this works <laughs> okay guys it's not working well and what like was kind of a bummer for me and i did see people saying this was that all the other witchers felt lame like Geralt is supposed to be like the <laughs> big bad witcher and then like anything happens and they all just immediately fall over and die well and i will like i will I, I will say this and this is my will actually moment of the <laughs> podcast is um it's established in the universe that uh Geralt is like responded unusually well to the mutagens uh and and basically well, basically makes him uh or or that like he can pass he passed certain parts of the he got he got special special mutagens yeah uh, that were yeah. experimental and killed yep. every everyone else in his class so he exactly. was just the sole the sole survivor yeah and yeah. and that's why he's got white hair that's like the, the origin of the, of the white mm-hmm. hair but but it does make him like better at witchering than the other witchers which is kind of like almost directly uh pointed at in in the finale where you see like three witchers taking on one basilisk and having a rough time a rough go of it and he just Geralt 1v1s a basilisk mm. and kills him like 39 seconds later so kind of really underscores like no Geralt we're following Geralt for but I do yeah. agree that like these are supposed to be like legendary you know uh, monster hunt and they're just absolutely rinse at the end yeah they just get rid of all of them and could we have a fucking moment of silence for Vesemir's hair <laughs> yeah. it was oh, and his horrible so wig. bad oh my, God. Oh my fucking it's, God, uh, I don't really bad. 
it, we it should just, talk. We should talk. We need to talk about Vesemoy. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, it's. I have such this, conflicting feelings about him because I yeah. felt like he was so strong until kind of that last big scene with Siri, where he just like ran up and like stabbed her and then was like, oh, sorry, and just yeah. it just. <laughs> I'm just gonna slink off and be in the background for the rest of the show. Yeah, like something about his dialogue and his behavior, mm. it just it didn't mesh well with the picture that I had of him in my head for that whole. Sure season where mm. he was supposed to be this like you know like kind of a father figure to them yeah. and he was so he's old strong. uncle Vesemir. yeah like he's really strong and powerful and he wants the best for them and like he knows his shit and then at the end mm-hmm. he like chugs that thing his eyes turn black yeah. and then Geralt cool. basically like fuck off and so he yeah. walks away and it's like what is that like doing a five-hour energy job energy shot and trying to sit still because that's kind of what it felt like to me mm. it was like now he's got like the witcher powers coming out and he can't use them and then he just yeah, has to kind of stand... sit there so it just it felt the pacing of everything felt really weird at the end i would say like as far as character motivations go vesemir's motivations were the muddy to me because i i like this is again one of those things where the people in the book will say this is the largest this is the biggest departure of any character when talking about their character in the book versus their character in the series. Vesemir is nothing like Vesemir in the books or the games, and I will totally agree with that. Vesemir is kind of like a, he's a sage, old, um, you know, warm character who kind of look at, looks after everybody, definitely is not trying to sweet-talk them into becoming a witcher, um, you know, mm. is, is worried about the lack of witchers, but is definitely not trying to trick people into becoming witchers which is effectively what happens in two and and i can definitely do understand we, do that we, do we think he does that he tricked mm, i don't know I don't, I don't know if it was, i don't know no it's not an outright trick but i will say that like you know i think that the criticism the main criticism is if siri in the book or the game went to vesemir and said i want to become a witcher vesemir would say no end of discussion we will find someone else and that is absolutely the, mut- the mutagens kill most people. Yeah, who and, and take that them is right. absolutely not the case in in the series. The series, his his primary, you know, character struggle is the, you know, do we protect Siri because she's mm-hmm. important and because well we like Siri versus you know we're dying and mm-hmm. soon there will be no more witch which is I think a really interesting conflict you know yeah. the, the, the preservation of one's culture effectively versus the preservation of an individual because what they because of not only because what they mean to you but what they mean to like you know your species as a whole mm-hmm. and I don't mean witches I mean like human well, and, it, and it's be it's beyond culture to for mm. um for Vesemir taken in the context of in both the show and and the and the books and games and the the prequel movie Nightmare of the Wolf the one thing that is consistent of all of them is is Vesemir is effectively like the last member of his family alive the mm-hmm. the the of his generation of witchers they were all slaughtered in a, a pogrom of 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 humans in in the in the stories and by um a sort uh, by you know a whole bunch of monsters Monster. led by led by a sorceress in in the prequel movie um but the extent to which i wonder it does it make does it make what he what his relationship is with Siri more interesting in the context of this is not this is an old man desperately re- trying to recreate a family that he has lost and that are dying and 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 his his adoptive 
family, his kids essentially are dying in droves throughout this season. And he's faced with the end of, you know, the to- the, fi- the final end of, you know, his culture in one sense, like you said, but also pretty much the only family uh, yeah. he, he, he has ever known and that he's tried to recreate around him to the point where he is so driven to try and preserve this idea of family. And I feel like this is a really common patriarchal theme of a, of a patriarch who is so willing to protect in their mind yeah. and, and enforce what they see as the survival of their family that they will do things that are harmful to the individuals in it, like like you were saying, and to, the and, and homicidal was, family. Yeah, that but, and, and, and this thing where, and it's a mixed thing where he, where he, when when Siri says that she wants to be a witcher, he's really, you know, he's like, well, are you really sure this is, you know, really, are you sure that's what you really want? But he also really wants it because he really wants her to be his, to be his kid in a way, and to be his family again, and and maybe they're trying to get rush all that plot in because they don't aren't. Yeah. It does not seem like this is a show that's going to give us the, you know, the the half a decade of him getting to know Siri and be and be her grandfather figure and everything as she grows up that care more in or anything that, that's not going to happen here it doesn't seem like it's too too late now I, I don't know Keely what do you think about um the that dynamic about Vesemir Geralt Siri the the the, the whole care Morin thing going on or I guess the family elements here in general I liked Geralt coming to him with Siri and kind of that whole like reunion thing and then um Vesemir being kind of like a grandfather it felt like to Siri at certain points like walking her around telling her about like where this thing came from why do we have this talking more about witchers um but a lot of it just felt a lot like surface level for a lot of it um because Mm. they did just kind of move really fast and then i just like he knows that siri is really fucking important to Geralt, and so it doesn't fucking make sense for him to do something that could potentially kill her Mm. I don't know, because like he knew Garrett was gonna come home and be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> the whole time, <laughs> and so it just mm-hmm. like Garrett is supposed to be like super duper powerful. So like, if, did he think it was gonna go okay if he accidentally killed Siri trying to do this Witcher thing, and then like Garrett will come home, and then the whole fight with the dude with the the burn face, he shows up and like punches Vesemir, and he just like falls over. Oh and right, I drops is that the the, py- the pyromaniac right. mage? Yeah, I forgot yeah, about just, like, yeah, he just like he drops the witcher potion and then later on yeah. i forget her name but she's like it's gone and it's like of course it's by the way gone. what a, what a flash in the pan again no pun intended character that guy was he just kind of shows up Ooh. is a huge threat and then i guess yeah like 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 baba yaga they're burning through these big villains after yeah. they give them a whole bunch of setup and then just kill them so quickly and unceremoniously cool, cool mysterious fire mage with like a raven helper accomplice kind <laughs> of dude like that's a cool villain like well, and let's the sit whole... with them for a little while so was he in season one at all i don't think so i don't, I don't okay so. because like the introduction of him that whole scene where she's like standing outside the prison cell and like talking to him and i felt like i was missing something yeah that was, like supposed to be this yep. huge reveal and i was like who the fuck is that i don't know yep. what the fuck that is like for a second i thought it was, it was... an interesting way to for yeah. a second i thought it was cheekbones um oh like, Kahir? Kahir. <laughs> yeah for a second i thought it was him because i knew that like uh, he was uh, in a jail yeah, yeah. but then Great realized name. it's not and so it was like oh okay like this could be interesting dude like harnessing fire magic whatever mm-hmm. because they make it such a big thing that like Yennefer got fucked because she used fire magic and then again it's just like okay he did his job now he can go away uh, yeah it was a shame I would have liked to have seen more of him I wanted more Dijkstra because Dijkstra in the mm-hmm. books and yeah. games is such a cool character that but he's actor just was kind of, fucking he's just, amazing Gra- he's just Graham kind McTavish of, yeah yeah he's just kind of like jacked grandpa who's kind of <laughs> 
you know, kind of shifty. And then that was the end of it. I'm like, oh, no, we're, we're going to get, was... we're going to get so much oh, we more have of, him, to. of him. Though, uh, right? Yeah. Because I can't wait. They were also playing coy with everyone who's read the stories or played the games knows who the owl is the entire season, but, but they're playing it for the people who've only watched the show is this guy, this guy's kind of crazy, right? He's talking to this owl all the time and he's like plotting and conspiring with this owl. But if you know that the owl is powerful sorceress, um, Wait, it's not. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, wow, I'm just blanking. Not I think Priscilla. It's, um, it's a Sabrina Glevesig, I think, or is it um, the the name? I, oh, I meant the name of the character, who's a major character in the games, uh, especially uh, and I in always, the stories. I always um, mix up their name. Philippa Eilhart. That's Philippa, it. Just came. Yeah. Just came to me. Yeah, she's like a central figure of The Witcher Two, mm-hmm. especially, and okay. I think of the later books. Uh, I get the impression that she, uh, the, this um, sort of a, fo- a major foil for Yen and Triss and the and the other sorceresses. She is very plugged into the Redanian politics. But yeah, yeah, it seemed like Graham McTavish as uh, Dijkstra was being set up to be more prominent, I feel like, in mm-hmm. in, in next season. Um, and it is interesting that we've barely talked about any of the uh, the political plot lines or the... Um, <laughs> it's almost like that wasn't the, our favorite part. <laughs> well, I'm just, uh, I, I get, yeah. I'm just not a fan of like the political crap that comes along with fantasy sure. a lot of the yeah. times because <laughs> I have such a hard time keeping track of like who is going for power and who does this. Like, just give me my monster shit. I don't care about any of this. And so this time it just, it was so apparent and so like aggressive where they were like Nilfgaard versus everyone else. And I kept mm-hmm. losing track of who I was supposed to give a shit about. Um, and so, I'm, but I'm happy that you brought up the owl because again, as someone that hasn't, you know, I don't remember a lot of the game because I watched Jerry play it. I haven't read more than the first book. The owl made no fucking sense either. So oh. it's like, okay, like clearly the owl is something, but then the mm-hmm. big reveal at the end, I was like, okay, who the fuck is that? Like I had no context for it. So yeah. like, okay, I guess that's going to be a thing later on. Um, so I, I, yeah. hope, I mean, I hope that that means that we're going to get whoever she is later on. Yeah. And, and I think what makes it challenging for me is like, I know a lot of these characters specifically from the, you know, sorcerers, uh, the, the brotherhood of, they're called a brotherhood, right? Even though more than half of them are women. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a weird thing to me. Anyways, um, you know, we get a lot of the, you know, the brotherhood of sor- sorcerers in the game and the characters, at least in my mind, were solidified as their character models in the game and so Mm -hmm. to see to see like totally different representations it's kind of hard for me to attach the character to the name i'm like sabrina doesn't look like sabrina and you know this even especially in season one tris doesn't look like tris but tris apparently looks more like she did in the book sure well, they gave uh, her red hair this season too, which yeah, they did. They like her, they that, they, yeah, they changed her because in the first one it was more yeah. like an Auburn it was very muted to the point where I was like, who is that? The first time on screen, but there's there's no mistaking her in the second. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the reveal of Philippa as Philippa. Um, you know, I think that there could have been a little bit more. And yeah, they did frame it as though that it was a huge deal. And it is a huge deal because she's a huge character, especially politically. Um, but to those of, to, you know, to, to those viewers who, who don't have the background, it's going to be kind of like a hollow reveal. Yeah, uh, I guess the reveal really boils down to oh, I guess it's like a magic lady who was and like the... you were. Well, well, like you were saying, Keely, the the hard thing beside we got all these names of characters thrown thrown at us, like from all these different factions and across this this council of mages that uh the, that you're mentioning, uh, Jerry. I it's also difficult 
to feel any attachment to any of, like you said, any of the nations, because we don't really have much established about any of them. We don't really, the, the show opens with the conflict, like Nith, Nilfgaard is almost immediately hostile and invading. We know there's this northern alliance, but we're spending so little time in any one place. There's like no sense of like, what are, what are these factions, these countries, their beliefs? It really just has to be about um, the mages. We see the mage council so much compared to anything. Um, anything else and about uh, Nilfgaard's leadership which see which kind of boils down in this season to a personal struggle with uh, with Fringilla and um, and what's what's the name of the uh, the asshole you were talking about uh, cheekbones who, who shows back here yeah Kahir yeah. and kind of like- and their struggle for like how evil of an evil empire are we going to be and how and how, and how, how, yeah. how utilitarian are we going to be about minority races that we don't like and uh, are, well will we use them for our purposes or will we just kill them all along with everyone else un- until the big boss shows back up at the end too and that's really something that we haven't talked about yet is you know the conflict between Fringilla Kahir and uh, the the elf sort um is uh escaping francesca francesca Findebear. so you know there's it's it's interesting because it felt to me like fringilla's character was forget like i you could kind of forget about her for a little while kind of background and then kind of in, comes in back this season in or, this or season yeah season. yeah i mean she was definitely more prevalent but i also felt like she was a background character for a lot of it things happened hmm. to her uh until nearing the end and the, and the scene that we get that really kind of solidified her as a character my eye on was definitely the one where she kills like a like most of kahir's guard uh mm-hmm. which is which was a great scene <laughs> i really really like that um and definitely was like okay i need to be paying attention to her more uh further solidified by you know them killing a baby <laughs> oh that, that was rough yeah. and then and then Bleak. um and then francesca turns around and she's just like oh one baby hold my you know dress <laughs> and then just you know sets a bunch of them on fire but um yeah i mean oh right yeah she goes she goes she goes full, she, pl- she, play 10th plague of egypt or whatever yeah on, pretty much uh, on all the all yep. the human babies right <laughs> yeah yeah she she magically yeah. suffocates many many babies in there or whichever bed. number play. yeah oh well, that was god it got so bleak it got really bleak my kind of i guess my confusion with fringilla and francesca well primarily fringilla was i didn't really know what i was supposed to think about her character the whole time um mm-hmm. because it seems like the whole season just kind of felt like she wants a friend like that's kind of the vibe yeah, that i it got really it's did, like yeah. francesca so, oh, I, I like i like this elf yeah is that francesca was just like her friend and she just wanted to have a friend and i was like again that feels kind of juvenile for like whatever's supposed to be happening so then when she just goes fucking crazy and like sticks a sword through a dude's eye while he can't move i was like okay fuck like where's she been this whole fucking time and like i like i like the elf characters i think that uh francesca i love that actress i thought she did an amazing job she there are certain actors and actresses that to me feel like an elf like it just yeah totally you would be a fucking elf right like fucking gladriel can't remember her name she is an elf but kate blanchett oh yeah kate blanchett (laughs) but just this is like stupid shit that because i was kind of getting pulled out of the immersion factor of the show off and on like vesemir's vesemir's hair kind of threw me off (laughs) yaskier's hair kind of threw me off (laughs) oh that was a crime also like 
I didn't notice that at all. The it's guy, so weird. The actor that plays Sylvandril just seems like a dude. Yeah. Which is such a shame because apparently that character, especially in Blood of the Elves and later on, is like very interesting, very deep, very rich. But in this one, he's just kind of like a doting father, which is Mm -hmm. valid in and of itself. And there's plenty of stuff to examine there. But like, I did not believe that those two, I thought that they were um, related at first. Like I thought they were sister and brother. Oh my God. And then then they're just like, our child. And I was like, oh, oh. eh." Yeah, like that whole scene where she grabs his hand and puts it on her stomach. I texted jerry and i was like i thought they were brother and sister <laughs> I was like, oh my god it's, just, it's really like a, there's no on-screen chemistry there i, I don't just, think despite their best efforts i think they did it I, like like yeah, you said I, Keely, mean, I think that they did a really good job i just think that like they definitely needed more time to establish these relationships and i kind yeah. of think that that is like the cardinal sin of of season two mm-hmm. they are really not giving these characters that are really interesting characters and we are all on board with these characters they're not giving them enough time to develop relationships that will yeah. that will lead us to caring about them even more elevate well and something so characters that they were kind of established and then i thought they kind of like nerfed them was mm. this season Tessaia felt so much like jessica to me well, lady jessica in the first so in the re- first... remind me who Tessaia is uh, she's Tessaia the one DeVries, that yeah, yeah she she's like the... oversaw all the the women like yennefer turning into a witch lady she's like uh, the, okay. like the mother yeah yeah, yeah head she... witch in charge yeah yep. she just was like she felt like lady jessica in the newest dune movie where it's just like a whole fucking season of her crying it's like mm-hmm. she just she was supposed to be really powerful and like they give her this relationship with another guy and i didn't care about his character at all and then she's just like uh, something about it again maybe it's the writing but just mm-hmm. her personality felt off for the whole season to yeah me. something about Did season she... two a lot of the really powerful female characters felt kind of neutered i mean the big example is yen losing her powers which i guess is an interesting character choice but it led to like she's established as a very powerful and uh-huh. honestly honestly dangerous character i was totally on board more of that too but like right off the bat she's just like she can't do magic anymore i guess this is what we're dealing with this season um which i thought was a real shame on uh, interesting character turn but it's not what i will see to say it does am i remembering right it has been a, it has been a few weeks since um i watched it right the season right when it premiered she does successfully coup stregobor right in the season or does that fall apart if, if, am i remembering correctly there's like a whole bunch of stuff at the mage place where uh like a power play going on there, to... there definitely is but i don't know if it actually should there's okay. also a scene where um and it's it's a big or i should say that it is framed as a very big but it didn't really resonate with scene where yennefer needs to execute kahir and she chooses not to and it's mm. and it's like a you can tell that the show wants you to feel like it's a big deal but yeah. maybe i don't know maybe i wasn't paying attention but like the implications of that scene really didn't resonate i'm i'm glad you're saying that i did not fully understand even what her reasoning was yeah. or i'm like like why, why does she have why to do this yeah. why not just leave like I, yeah. I didn't understand what she had to gain by by pissing everyone off in that dramatic open and then, way and why does she want this guy with with her and then i would say yeah to- totally agree but then afterwards, when it was like Yen and Kahir running, I actually really enjoyed that. I enjoyed like the two mm-hmm. of them interacting together. And I really liked seeing Kahir fallen from grace because I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. They're setting up to turn, you know, the the uh, the head of the guard, this military commander. They're they're 
going to teach him humility, right? He's going to grow as a character because he's going to learn what it's like to actually be executed as opposed to the or, persecutor. Well, or they'll lead you up to expect that and then, yeah, and then, uh, then totally make, uh, then right. t- pull the rug out, which <laughs> I, I, I felt like, ignore. I, I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. It it's is like, kind you know, of a character he's choice gi- in he's, of he's, Yeah, he's given every opportunity to understand. Yep. Like, the okay, no, this guy's he's just given a the real... Pilgrim's journey. Yeah, that's it where was, you realize he's, it was he's rotten. Effectively, but here's, here's what I would say I think it's worth criticizing because what they did with his character is what they did with Jamie Lannister over the course of eight. They did in like three <laughs> uh, episodes. Well, Jamie Jamie Lannister was given lots and lots of opportunities, many opportunities mm-hmm. to change, and you think that he did, and at the end it turns out. But he I, did. What's the thing? He did genuinely. He like, did genuinely develop. change, but but like but like his final decision to go back to. I don't talk too much about Game of Thrones here, but his yeah. final decision to go back to sister slash lover. Yeah. To die that, with her, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sh- shows that, like, we can change in some ways, but not not everywhere, right? So, but Kahiru is just like, nope, I guess I'm just a bastard. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I'm just, the second I get my power back, the second I, I have that authority, I'm right back in it and, you know, executing L and stuff. And so, to me, it just felt like, like you said, the rug was kind of pulled out from, hmm. like, wow, okay, real opportunity for growth and change in a character arc here. But no, I guess, I guess we just, I guess we just really have to hate this guy which they succeed oh, and uh while in that arc we do get reconnected with with dandelion with with jas is it yes yaskier they mm-hmm. mostly call him in the show you were saying keely the yeah yeah the, the 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 sin of of his wig <laughs> in this one cannot be o- overstated however so i didn't however his it. His his angry breakup song with Geralt maybe my maybe my favorite flourish. It's my so it, it's the best the the best uh, the best dandelion song since um, I, since toss toss a coin to your Witcher. I definitely, think. I don't <laughs> think that it has. I don't think it has the widespread appeal or the legs that toss a coin to your Witcher. No, does. no, no. But um, uh, burn butcher burn is yes. so so. Good. <laughs> I honestly think that like all of his songs in the season were great. Even even like the the mm. little fugue that he sings in the in the prison also really good mm, um, yeah, yeah that's, I, a, that's a fun fun scene tormenting his his guard there and the, the rat the rats and all that. in the first season we get one very good song one really good song in the second season we get a bunch of pretty good <laughs> and i'm like good i mean it's so easy to put a bard in your story and not have them sing songs but they like give mm-hmm. him the liberty and and uh joey i can't remember his last name escapes me uh is it Beatty? yeah joey yeah. Beatty. Joey Beatty is a genuinely good performer and mm-hmm. he's very, very good. He has a band. He's also very active in the D&D uh, realm, which is pretty neat. Like in this guy more and more. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's cool that the show was just like, no, he's a singer in real life. He's a bard. Give him song sing. Awesome. Yes. Continue with that. So I wonder, I know, Jerry, you didn't notice. So you're going to have to go back and watch and look at his stupid hair. But yeah, it, makes, it, it <laughs> makes me think that he was filming something else. Yep, and probably cut his hair real short. That, yeah, like they did to Jim in whatever season of The Office when all of a sudden his hair looks ridiculous and it's because <laughs> he was filming a different movie and so they had to give him a wig. Um, But I fucking loved uh the whole scene, like you said, Caleb, of Yaskir talking to like the rats or the mice or whatever. <laughs> and then when he realizes Geralt is there and they just do that like aggressive bro hug. It's like, oh, my heart. Yeah. I just thought that <laughs> yeah, was really so good. fucking good. And then the, I, he was the one I felt the most like this is actually this character like there yeah, there totally. wasn't yeah, the dialogue was good across. yeah like the dialogue fit with who i had 
in my head as Yaskier. Like the whole thing and, fit really and well. And Geralt too, I would say. I think Geralt, Geralt, yeah. Yeah. Geralt as a character, solid through two seasons. I did um, like though, how is it, I forget which of the, the other characters makes a point to say, oh, it's a rumor that you guys don't have feelings or something like, like they allude to that because that mm-hmm. was a big thing after season one where people were criticizing Henry Cavill for having like emotion on his face. And so this time yeah, he talks like, more, those, there's those more emotion. Those people missed the point, man. I know, but like, <laughs> yeah, it was just, yeah. that was another like hit the nail on the head. Like, oh, yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah. Like, so I yeah, really like that. Like the ongoing theme you know witchers witchers don't have emotion but like it's established pretty immediately like i would argue that in the last wish the story which is like halfway through the very first book it's established like no they pretty obviously can feel things oh, yeah, like yeah, like Geralt yeah. feels love and and long all that cool stuff um it's it's definitely one of those like um folklore they see you witches don't anything mm-hmm. but i also wanted to talk about istrid he becomes like a bigger character where he's like the librarian dude and then they end up ah, in yeah, the yeah. the giant crevice thing with Geralt and then later on he goes to like the bookshop and he's talking to 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 the two people about like figuring out that Siri has like elder blood and Mm. all that and it's like Like, Istred feels weird to me like I can't tell why he's here I think that the maybe the reason he feels is that that boy is just teleporting all over the map just Uh moving the story along oh wait oh god (laughs) That this whole that was um, I totally forgot probably my the, my biggest complaint about the whole season when watching it a month a month ago was the extent to which I mean you have characters literally teleporting everywhere yeah. Yeah. yeah but you also have characters who are riding horses and yet teleporting across the continent like what this was a criticism of late season Game of Thrones as yeah. well and I felt it so hard here where one reason I have so little sense of the the geography the politics the the conflicts going on is because characters in one scene can can appear like a thousand miles. Miles yeah. so- somewhere else and there's no indication of the passage of time that they were on the road for for weeks and weeks um but but setting that so that was i had a problem throughout but but setting that aside for the actual teleporting that he's doing i kind of i i think he's just here because he was a major part in season one i i, I assume and i i i don't i really like that actor um I'm, I'm, yeah I'm not he's sure off, his name like off offhand um, very but, good in season one i think he's really good in and I think that he's really good in season two as well. But I think that uh, he could have been written better too. I mean, it's just unfortunate that like, yeah, yeah. In in order to in order to communicate to the viewer how important, how truly important Siri is, you have to understand her lineage and mm-hmm. the the power in her blood, right? Well, that's not something that Geralt's going to come across because Geralt's not one for going to ancient library bookstores and and unearthing tome. No, that's and not, it's that's that sort not of thing deal. that's. It's revealed in, you know, it's revealed over eight books mm-hmm. or or over 200 hours of video, of video game, right? Yeah, and like exactly. gra- gradual, you, you got a lot more to work with there. This is back to maybe Netflix has to get all this in in three seasons. So we got to go get the lore. Oh, although that library couple, pretty fun. I thought So uh, cool. The, I love they, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Like, I, I wish that they had more. Plus, like, like um, at least one of them is like a pretty established actor, I think. After I saw him, I was like, oh, hey, that guy um name but uh but yeah i mean i i would have liked more of 
of them. And it did also mm-hmm. feel like, you know, Istrid on his journey was just he only time we see him was when he was getting exactly like getting exactly to where he needed to be to find exactly mm. the information. There was uh, no, yeah. there was no like searching through dusty tomes in the wizard's tower or the university or whatever and not finding anything. It was just like, nope, here I am at this mm. rear, real or uh, a rare bookseller or whatever they were. And they know exactly what I'm talking about the second. Day. So, you know, but I think like you said, the the pacing of it definitely does feel as though the net planning on being canceled after mm. three seasons so we gotta tell our story and i think that to that end introducing the wild hunt at the end is i mean if you know anything about the books if you know anything about the game breakneck pay because the wild hunt until like way later it is it is mm-hmm. the series big bad evil right it, it they are everything leading up to that everything player, leading yeah. up to that challenge where, where they need siri because of her elder blood to i don't know, take over what well, we you know what is the big bad evil they want to the world but like to introduce that at the end of the second season is like like, they hinted in the so first fast. season. There, they there do, were men- yeah. me- mentions of the Wild Hunt in, in season one, right? Am I, yeah, am I, am I, mis- I, I, I think so. But like the fact that they even show it, we, we get we get full mm-hmm. full depiction of the full Wild Hunt. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, which, which which is pretty amazing. Now that being said, I'm pumped for it because I think it's a really cool. I think it's a cool story. I think it's a cool villain. Um, I I, I wish they would have come up with a better Baba Yaga. Or or not or not off her. That was. Just, I thought they were gonna set her up for more something yeah like next season or but uh just gonna say like i thought she got like released back into like that was confusing that like her little like home realm her little light were flying around and then they showed the hunt so i thought she was associated with the hunt she was she's allied with them right oh yeah she she exists effectively like on their plane of exist and when if i'm remembering correctly like siri effectively opens she uses her elder blood to open a portal to like not only a different place in the world but a different place on a different plane yeah teleportation spell amplified a thousandfold you know the the implication there we talk about relative power level in any mythos but you know the implication there is that like siri is more powerful than this baba yaga character because if baba yaga wanted to go home or home she should have just opened a portal and gone to her home plane couldn't she either needed siri to or Siri just happened. And her motivation, if I remember correctly, is like she was trying to open portals to let monsters, like new monsters. Was she, and that's that's what, like probably my number one criticism, whole, a lot of the choices made of uh, Baba Yaga villain. What was she trying to do? What, I mean, was she just trying to mix stuff up? Was she, obviously she wanted to go to her home plane, but it almost struck me as like, she had kind of written that off. Like, that's not a possibility. I can't go home. So I'm just going to fuck shit up here. You know what I mean? Oh, I thought I think that's what she wanted. I think I think By you're opening right. I think up she portal. Just wanted to, yeah, possess possess Siri ultimately through Yen and Yen's uh, interactions in order to find a way home. Which it does seem like a convoluted way, but maybe if Siri's the only key to sure. opening dimensional doors. Well, they they keep saying that like oh she like thrives off of pain or something and like she was getting stronger every time that someone mm-hmm. was like getting hurt in some way and then Geralt has another one of those stupid like epiphany moments where he's like oh she doesn't want pain she wants you know the thing missing from your life or something about whatever Siri is missing and so that's why there's that whole like flashback or whatever where Siri yeah, is yeah. at the banquet talking to her parents and it just it felt weird and then like they Yen walks up to her and like 
accept like Baba Yaga into her soul to like protect Siri or something. <laughs> I was so mm-hmm. confused by what the fuck all of that meant, what all was happening. Um, yeah. And I, I wonder how much of that is like, I just don't have the background knowledge to care. Cause like even when the, nope, when the, when they showed, nah. well, when they showed the wild hunt, I was like, okay, well, yeah. like, I don't know what the fuck that means. So, um, well, to be to be fair, with the Wild Hunt shows up in the book or the games, you, no one has any clue yep. what it means as okay. a reader or or player. They're just like a this legend that everyone is terrified of, and and no. But but I I agree that whole sequence. It felt like three different climaxes were written yeah. and shoved together, and, and like you're and saying, none of the them connections really... and weaknesses yeah. and, uh, for for the Baba Yaga stuff. Yeah, I, I had trouble following that as well. It's just like, okay, Yen is sacrificing herself as a vessel for this, and they're somehow going to trap Baba Yaga, but but Yen is, she doesn't have her power, so how's she going to be strong enough to fight off Baba Yaga? It's just very convoluted. And then at the end, she's like, well, I got my power back because a powerful spirit was, you know, in me for a certain amount of time, and it's just like, that's a weird way for back. I guess <laughs> I guess the writers got tired of a depowered Yennefer. Mm, re- relinked her to chaos or, yeah, or something. Yeah, I huh? guess it's, yeah. Yeah, shook up her her uh connection right yeah it's knocked, like k- kicking the, kicking the carburetor yeah, yeah knocked knocked some cobwebs i guess i don't know it just felt weird and um and then the you know the big reveal at the end that oh, uh, right right you know the, the the white flame is uh dooney the 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 father of siri which was a reveal that like again anyone who's played the game or read the book saw all coming a mile away uh, I, I forgot that was not revealed yet until the season started yeah, exactly like, like we yeah. haven't we haven't established that already that is that still a thing <laughs> no because like like the witcher 3 literally starts with emir var emeris the the the, em, the emperor of nilfgaard uh asking Geralt to find his daughter siri that's mm-hmm. that the whole thing of the witcher 3 is find my daughter and bring her back he's the rightful heir to my throne if Mm-hmm. empress um and presumably that's what's happening here as well he's trying to find his daughter yeah she's also the heir to redania so it's yes. like legitimizing so, and sol- solidifying the kingdom yeah and all that jazz so so that makes total sense um yeah it's interesting or i'm not i'm sorry not not redania Sintra. i keep i mix <laughs> that's yeah, how distinct no, these me. countries are yeah <laughs> yeah redania Sintra, tamaria it all kind of blends together i mean if you look at a map it, uh, of the world uh, it helps a little bit. um but i would say that like I, I guess that this is a problem that is inherent to when you have a well-established series of books and games and other form media, and you try and make a, a TV, TV series, any kind of adaptation you have, you know that going into it, your audience is going to mixture, never consumed yep. this content before, and those who have, you have to appeal simultaneously to both. But inevitably, that leads to situations where the people who don't have any of the background knowledge, like Keila, you mentioned, like, who's the Wild Hunt? Who, you know, what what's the big deal with Dooney being the the emperor of of Nilfgaard you know it's it's an i would say that like for those of us who have the background it's not that big of a twist because we already know about it but even mm-hmm. for those who haven't read the book it doesn't feel like that big of a twist you know what i mean it's like okay so this guy so it's it was it's so it's Ciri's dad who's the emperor of Nilfgaard sure that sure that has implications yeah but it doesn't feel like a season end well maybe the one thing it does 
is emphasize and solidify at that point, like in that moment that, oh, this whole story is about one family effectively, yep. or, you know, like, or two families being intertwined. This is a story of, and maybe that's the one thing that does ground it from being a giant epic fantasy with all these factions or whatever. It's ultimately about Ciri's mm-hmm. family. It's about, it's about her adoptive father and, and it's about her, you know, her dead actual mother um, who we get to know for a good while, which was cool. And then um, her adoptive father and, and grandfather in, in Geralt and, and, uh, and, her, and, um, Vesemir, her adopted aunt, and Triss, as that, well, yep. although Triss gets short shrift here. Sh- Tr- Triss is very quickly um, relegated to asshole status here. But then, yeah, but then Yen, Yen ultimately as her reluctant adoptive mother. And then finding out that the main arcing human villain of the whole thing is her blood father. Yeah. I feel like that's just like sort of bringing it all home. Oh, this is a this is a godfather type story. This is a family a family dynasty slash the orbit of one person's relationship kind of story. So it, I guess it does that. It puts sort of a bow on season two to be like, okay, now it's all coming together. And that's what this is going to be all about. But that, that's the best I can say for, for that as, as the final reveal. And I will say that like, they definitely got it right that the story of the Witcher, you know, that, that the, even the books, the games really all kind of build to this idea. Or, or at this, least this, that this saga, the, the, that whole yeah, six yeah, no- totally. novels, right? The, yeah. um, and, and the, uh, the series definitely does that the, can, and is continuous. So can you guys explain to me why is Siri important? Why is she powerful? All that. Because so they kept saying, okay, so we know that like there's something about her. And then they're like, oh, well, she has yeah, elder yeah. blood. And then they're so if she is just like the a way, like a political thing that like she just legitimizes whatever the fuck like mm-hmm. that's fine but why is she also super fucking powerful and then they were giving her like some kind of name in the lore when yeah. like they pulled out that scroll in the bookshop mm-hmm. and they were like reading and they were like oh now she has this other fucking name that I'm not going to remember and so then she has some, a lot of names <laughs> yeah Istrid goes to like Francesca and he's like oh I found blah blah, blah. and they're like what and so I right. just don't understand and like that Jerry was saying like he he came into my office as I'm watching the finale and he was like, oh, this is a good scene where like they show the reveal. And I was like, OK, like, yeah. <laughs> you mm. know, I thought the white what is it called? Like the white flame or something? White flame. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a dude. Like I they thought that that was. Yeah. That. They did not do a very good so job of when saying, like, Jerry was like, yeah. oh, he's the white flame. It's like I thought he was the owl. Like I was, <laughs> I was just getting so confused about everything. So I'm just like, is Siri mm-hmm. more than just like a political pawn? Like why yeah. does she oh, have, yeah. Yeah, why absolutely. does she have power? So she is, if I remember correctly, she's the direct descendant of a very, very powerful elvish sorcerer sorcerer by the name of Lara Doran. Mm-hmm. And Lara Doran, she's the 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 Irish elf who they show the uh the quick scene of where she like she gives birth but is like stabbed. She's she's the elf that Novellan is telling the story about in the very first uh, episode. Mm-hmm. She has a baby and then she and her uh lover are killed. Um but the idea is that like in their blood is this connection to this primordial magic that transcends anything that yeah. anybody can learn. And it's from this, where and it comes from where the elves came from, right? Exactly. Origin, yeah. It's like right? yeah, it's like it's like origin match. And one of series name in uh the the series um is the the lady of space and time because her abilities allow her to <laughs> jump through space and time. Uh so you know, I don't know if they'll if they'll go in this direction in the series, but once she uh learns to harness her abilities, she it's yeah. just yeah, it's it's a different level of magic. She she's a link between worlds mm-hmm. uh in in multi I think that that's like that's 
the other half of she is the link between these kingdoms she is like she is the child of the two uh, of these two kingdoms that are uh, at odds for all these years and the political link there but also she is literally connected to this other primordial world of magic that the elves come from so it's trying to bring all that and it's like the whole conjunction thing with these different planets that smash together or or planes of existence and she's going to be sort of the bridge between either destroying everything or fixing everything or changing everything or we'll have to find out what people want with with Siri at the end of all of it. Okay, because that's is that what Triss was was it Triss that said like she saw some kind of vision of Siri and then was acting all scared of her and was yes, like oh she could yeah. like ruin everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're trying to hide the existence of Siri because everyone is going to want to try to use her. Um, exactly. But so she's the Dragon Reborn, basically. Yeah. Oh, like that's what I'm getting. Like even that whole scene yeah, of like dragon. you know the Aiel woman. <laughs> giving birth yep, out and yep. then dying <laughs> but okay so that makes more sense now explain this fucking conjunction to me because they i i get like the original thing but then when they when Geralt and istrid are walking through that big butt crack and they're talking about yep, yep. the monsters coming through and then there's some kind of revelation about how the conjunction may not actually have happened how they thought it did yeah what they, they thought all they thought all the worlds collided at once and you had a separate world of humans separate world of monsters separate world of elves separate world of dwarves maybe if i if i'm recalling correctly and jerry can um, correct me on this the 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 traditional story is that the elves and or is that everything was here basically um and the and then humans smashed into it and changed everything i think i I think i think it was if i i don't know if the if the monsters exist the same plane as because depending on different depictions of the conjunction spheres the 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 most important i mean what the humans will say is that the most important thing that happened monsters came but well that was the same time humans did exactly Humans, that's, uh, but that's mo- the point yeah, like yeah. like humans will yeah. tell the story as if they already existed in the yeah. plane and that's one of the central conflicts is that right humans yeah. deserve but then to it, be there but then it also turns out that the elves who were here before the conjunction were not originally from this world either that they also they are they have now been colonized but they were at some point also colonizers this is like one of the big the, they've hinted at this in the season so far and the idea i wonder that there might have been multiple conjunctions uh in, in okay. crossovers but people were yeah and that people are crossing over from these different planets and it's maybe not a divine accident but it's so twisty and confusing and there's new reveals about it all the time and i don't know if all the versions of the story are equally canonical from from the games the 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 show the stories so um i think we're all going to be as lost as you are on that uh, keely like that could mean <laughs> whatever they want it to um but uh but yeah, yeah but you know, but the wild hunt are from one of these other spheres oh, okay. essentially it makes and i think i recall correctly the wild hunt so like when they refer to the elder blood they're referring mm-hmm. to an elder race of elves I believe. yeah and, well and, it's quote unquote pure elf blood yeah elves. yeah, yeah so this a little is a weird real... but i'm pretty yeah. <laughs> sure that the that the wild hunt belong to that quote unquote it's like i believe that they oh, are yeah elder. that's a spoil that is a spoiler though yeah that is the... yeah so uh... I, I, is it though because like i feel like when they're first announced it's just like oh okay they're kind of kind of elf looking so maybe oh, we actually see yeah. them here rather yeah because you, you see their facial pictures yeah yeah, yeah. 
True, true. So, yeah. so I'm not sure, but um, but yeah, it's it's uh, I I'm not sure where they're gonna go with it either. I do think that like maybe the series would have benefited from having one of those very a la Dune, where like they establish the major points of the history in a couple screens right before the start, in like the conjunction of spheres, and then they go on to explain it, as opposed to like having to yeah. piece together these individual things because it's it's not a secret. Like this is the lore of the world, and when it comes to you know world building. And, and different ways to do it sometimes the best way to get everybody on the same page give them a page we need like we need season three to be zach morris time out and have Ishra turn to the camera and explain <laughs> to us where, uh, how I uh, got <laughs> explain to us what scratch. the fuck is happening well and this is something that like we kept pointing out when we were talking about uh the wheel of time show so far is that some of the scenes like things are just perfect um so like when siri does the whole like portal thing and they end up on the the plane or whatever with the the wild hunt it's just how convenient that they were riding right through that one scene where where they just happened to mm. appear um and then it just felt kind of weird to me i guess like breaking the immersion again that siri and Geralt and yen like pop in here's these guys like aha we're going to get you and then it closes the portal's uh, gone and they're like oh missed them again and so <laughs> um okay like that it's starting to make more sense i do plan on reading the books <laughs> i was looking into a bunch of articles about the show and then the next series and they did say that season three is going to be based off of a specific book and maybe blood of, maybe blood of the elf no and there's a, pre- uh, the, a prequel spin-off series coming it's a, too. The time of contempt yes yeah it's supposed it... to be what season three yeah. is based off of so um mm-hmm. i do need to like i plan on reading it you know who knows when season three will actually come out but it looks like they may have finished writing it okay um but i did see that apparently the showrunner uh lauren schmidt hissrich uh, has publicly said many times that she is very interested in the feedback of viewers and wants to do kind of like an AMA a la Rafe Judkins and answer some questions about it and uh, could potentially like change the show or like mm-hmm. tell people why they did things. Um, I don't know how they're supposed to do that when season three might be finished, writing, finished. Oh my God, my brain might be written, <laughs> might be written. That, that's the word. Um, hey but man, you talk about, you talk about Witcher too much in your brain, your brain. <laughs> well, okay. So like this is all making more sense uh as far as it can make sense given you know <laughs> season two which overall i mean the same thing that we said about wheel of time i didn't hate it i thought parts of it were <laughs> no, really I, good I, I, yeah. I thought the actors and actresses I like did a damn good job for the material yeah, they yeah. were given I, I just had to I had to get off the Witcher subreddit because the amount of negativity that I was reading in the discussion was just like, guys, watching the same show. Like yeah. I, I enjoyed the book. I enjoyed the game. I enjoy what they're doing here too. I like do I think one is is better as a story overall? Yeah, definitely. Like I, I will definitely gravitate more towards books and and, uh, and games over this series, but I'm still you know, they're two seasons into something that's going to take multiple seasons to to tell. I'm gonna give them time to watch. Plus, I think we as fans of The Witcher could not have asked for a better Geralt, and I will die on that. I yeah. think Henry Cavill as Geralt is a gift to this series because the the man takes.
takes no role more. And I think that that comes through in Spade. Uh, and 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 everyone, I mean, Anya Chawatra as as Yen is 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 excellent. And uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the other characters. <clears throat> I, I think, yeah, I'm I'm excited for future seasons. I I have enjoyed uh, past, uh, but no more Baba Yaga, please. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no more weird for it, but more mom. So what about what about you, Keely? Uh, what are, what are your uh, final thoughts? Are, are you going to be? It sounds like you'll be reading on uh, potentially and watching on as well. Uh, and wrap wrapping us up here. Yeah. Uh, last thoughts on on this season and The Witcher general. Yeah, I think if it wasn't for Henry Cavill, I probably would have fallen off at this point. <laughs> um, just because they did kind of get rid of the things that I really enjoyed about season one, which was the monsters. Like the yeah. I there were very few episode this season that I was just like oh shit like that was so cool like Novellin like that whole thing was amazing with the mm-hmm. Uh them going in the woods finding the Leshy and then having that giant ant thing like rip it the fucking so half cool. so cool. so fucking cool I would have loved the whole Baba Yaga thing if they didn't draw it out for six episodes like if yeah. they would have wrapped it up and made it like a standalone that would have been good but yeah it's it's really like because this is such like a, a passion project for him Henry Cavill that I will continue watching the show. The books I do enjoy. I think that Andrzej Zabkowski feels some kind of way about people with disabilities uh, yeah. based on yeah. how he writes them, but I, I enjoy enough of it that I will continue on with the books. Totally. Yeah. For season three, less, less obfuscated politic, more monsters. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see if it happens. And it, and you know, I, I think uh, a lot of those, probably a lot of those fans on Reddit are, are forgetting how far fantasy adaptations uh, on TV have have come in some mm-hmm. ways there, there there was the time of i don't know 15 years ago like the, things like legend of the seeker on based on the um uh the sword the sword of truth novels uh the, the, the things could be things could be pretty dire and it's cool it's cool that we're getting the depictions we are i also agree that uh that Geralt is uh very very well cast here definitely cavill really leans into the big softy side early and yeah. often uh, of Geralt more but but you know for the speed this is moving i'm i'm happy to get right to there and have a very you know a very huggable uh, Geralt, uh, uh <laughs> a big a big old weirdo yeah. <laughs> big lovable <laughs> weirdo yeah. i love it who still does the weirdo thing well too yep. which is yeah. fun um well, thanks so much for coming on, Jerry. It was it was awesome yeah, to no, you join, just, join was, us for this. And, it was and a pleasure. I'd I'd love to come on again and discuss other things that I have some semblance of knowledge about. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And if you do ever catch up on the Wheel of Time, uh, yeah, see, I uh, think the sh- the show will for sure have to talk about that. It'd be cool to come on as as someone who truly has no background, uh, something time and get get uh, voice voice what I think about the uh, season as somebody with no background knowledge. Yes. I would love to hear yeah. your unfil- unfiltered, unread thoughts. Uh, once, yeah, I'm, once, I'm, <laughs> once I'm done with once I'm done with the expanse, maybe the next big world building time. Oh, are you you didn't finish the the season finale no. last last week on the expanse? The, oh, was that the season ser- finale? Se- series finale. It's There's done. Only it's... six episodes in the last yep. season. Wow. Yeah. No, no, I just finished season five, and man, that I I, I th- this is not an expanse podcast, but I have many things to talk, many things to say about that. That that season started. <laughs> slow and ended oh boy did it end yeah i'm looking i'm looking but then after that wheel time (laughs) (laughs) all right well that'll do it for us today thanks so much for listening folks thank you our tarval and patrons for making these bonus episodes happen we hope you enjoyed hearing us talk about this as as much as i enjoyed talking about it farewell farewell